You are listening to a Hippily Horror Stories Patreon bonus preview. If you like what you're hearing, stick around to the end to find out how you can get more. Hey guys, welcome to episode 993 of Hillbilly Shorts. Hey. You want to continue on with our poltergeist phenomenon? For the I week? reckon. All right, so this next facet is poltergeist destruction. Poltergeists have been known to mess up rooms or houses by rumpling bedclothes, cutting or tearing clothes, and even tying clothes or curtains in knots. Sometimes objects in a room are arranged in patterns or strange smells emerge from nowhere, ranging from the scent of roses to odors so foul that people are left gasping for air. That was like one of my farts the other day. That's disgusting. I know it. I was so humiliated, even though I was by myself, that it could smell so bad. Were you in the house? Yes. I was down on the couch. It was awful. I think even Ninja got up and walked away. Yeah. Did he wobble or just walk away? <laughs> I was like, oh my God, please, Jerry, don't come downstairs right now. It's so bad. <laughs> the list of all poltergeist mischief ever witnessed would be a very long one. In a book called This House is Haunted, <laughs> Guy Playfair, a famous psychic researcher, lists 19 symptoms of poltergeist disturbances and the likely order of their appearance. Based on his investigations of poltergeist, it seemed to Playfair that there was a predictable order to the activity. For instance, poltergeists will first make themselves known with noises, usually tapping or knocking on a wall. Flying dishes, moving furniture, or spontaneous fires or floods will usually come later. Like the poltergeist that plagued Ernest Rivers, which that's actually a story you'll hear on Dead Time Stories. Okay. Um, probably Tuesday or Wednesday next week. Anyways, that's you'll hear that story. But anyway, like the poltergeist that plagued Ernest Rivers, most cases last only a few weeks. But as seen in the case with the J and the W families, some have been known to persist for many months, even a year or longer. Yeah, that would probably get on my nerves after a while for sure. Since here, many researchers feel that poltergeists in a household always act with some specific focus or agent. The events may not always be directed at that person, for instance, the way that the pepper shaker was thrown and other objects were thrown at Ernest Rivers. But when that person is not present, the disturbances usually fade out. Oh. Very so, in other words, Ernest needs to move. Yes. Ernest moves out. <laughs> and goes to camp. <laughs> Glad you found that as hilarious as... I don't know why. <laughs> Very often, an unhappy teenager or adolescent is the focus of poltergeist activity. In centuries past, and even today, when poltergeist activity erupts in a household and focuses on a young boy or girl, some people believe that the child is being possessed or taken over by evil spirits. Priests and other religious figures are brought into the house to exercise or to chase out the demons. The famous book in the film, The Exorcist, was a dramatization of this situation. Parapsychologists point out that in the case of poltergeist disturbances, exorcism will rarely end the phenomenon. Sometimes it even seems to stir things up and make the activity even more intense. 
It's really a shame that these things pick on kids. They don't deserve that. But it's not things picking on kids. It's the kids causing it with their mind, just like telekinesis. Oh, oh like fire starter? Yes. Okay. Exactly. How many poltergeist stories have we done? <laughs> and I explain every every time we do a poltergeist story, I explain that it's usually a child going through puberty. I mean, I know time. this, but still don't change the fact that these ladies, poor kids along, going through puberty is hard enough as it is. <laughs> Dang. All right. We're going to close out tomorrow's episode, the last of the week, with another poltergeist case. And maybe Tracy will even understand that it could involve puberty or a young child. And that they may be causing the events and they're not being picked on. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys, we'll talk to you tomorrow. (laughs) I got that snort. Hey guys, welcome to episode 994 of Hillbilly Shorts. Hi guys. So we're going to finish this up with a poltergeist case. When poltergeist events began to focus on 11-year-old Virginia Campbell, some thought that she was indeed possessed by evil spirits and called the Reverend T. Lund to the house. Virginia was brought up on a farm in County Donegal, Ireland. She had few companions to play with except for her dog, Toby, and a friend named Anna. When her father sold his share of the farm, the family had to live apart for a while. Virginia and her mother went to Scotland. While her mother worked in a nearby town, Virginia was sent to live with her older brother Thomas, who was married and had two children close to Virginia's age. Virginia's brother and his family lived in a town of Salchi in Clackmanshire, Scotland. Virginia came to stay with them about mid-October, She had been there for about a month when the poltergeist activity began. As in most poltergeist cases, the disturbances began slowly and were not very overwhelming. One night in late November, the sound of a bouncing ball was heard in Virginia's bedroom and on the stairs, but no cause could be found. The next day, as Virginia had tea with the older brother and his wife, a very large piece of furniture began to move away from the hall, then moved back. That night, when sounds started again, the disturbances became more obvious. There were loud knocks heard in the bedroom. Virginia shared with her brother's daughter, Margaret, who was nine years old. The noises were so loud that the neighbor called the Reverend T.W. Lunn, the Church of Scotland's minister of Salchi. He was a witness to many odd events that night and afterwards. Because of his position as clergyman, Investigators consider him to be a very reliable witness. Among the events that Reverend Lund reported were loud knockings while Virginia was in bed with her feet tucked under the bedclothes and no part of her body touching the bed frame. He also saw a large linen chest that was standing near the bed rock, raise up, and move along the side of the bed for about two feet, then move back. Two nights later, the Reverend visited again and saw other strange sights. There were more raps and knockings and Virginia's pillow turned under her head. A doctor by the name of Dr. W. 
H. Nisbet, along with another minister and a medical professional, were called in by the Reverend Lund. These men, the family members, and other witnesses heard a sawing sound and more knocking and also observed a strange rippling motion move across Virginia's pillow. The doctors could not find anything physically wrong with Virginia, so the next day she went to school. Miss Margaret Stewart, Virginia's teacher, was looking out at the children during a period of silent reading and saw Virginia trying to press down the lid of her desk, which popped up several times, opening itself about halfway. Oh my gosh! Miss Stewart could see quite clearly that the girl was not pushing the lid up herself. A few minutes later, Miss Stewart saw the desk behind Virginia float up and into the air about an inch off the floor, then slowly float down again. Did the other kids see this? I'm guessing. Oh my gosh. Checking the area around the desk, Miss Stewart was sure that no strings had been attached to it. That night, the same strange events were witnessed in Virginia's bedroom by Dr. Nisbet. The knocks, the moving linen chest, which opened and closed its lid a few times. The rotating pillow and the rippling bed covers. Two nights later, Dr. Nisbet visited with his partner, Dr. Logan, who brought along his dog. Virginia liked the dog very much and said it reminded her of her dog, Toby. A little while later, Virginia went into a trance. She called for her dog and at one point screamed loudly, tossing and striking her fist in the air. Then she became calmer and fell asleep. The next week, Virginia went to school on Monday, as usual, and while she was standing near Miss Stewart at the teacher's table, a pointer began to vibrate and move across the table. Miss Stewart reached down to touch the table, and the table swung around counterclockwise. Virginia became scared and started to cry, afraid that Miss Stewart thought that she was playing a trick. But Miss Stewart did not blame her, and could see that she had not been touching the pointer or the table. That afternoon, Virginia was sent to stay with another relative in a nearby town. The change in location, however, did not bring an end to the poltergeist activity surrounding her. Dr. Nisbet and Dr. Logan visited her in her new home and observed some of the same events. On December 1st, a day after Virginia returned to her brother's house, Dr. Nisbet, Dr. Logan, and Reverend Lund visited the house in the evening. Dr. Nisbet and Dr. Logan brought a tape recorder and successfully recorded sounds of sawing and rapping. I wonder if it was like Drake or <laughs> some old school like oh, yeah. DMC. Old school, yeah. They also brought a motion picture camera, but did not get a clear image on film of the blanket rippling. During their visit, Virginia entered another trance-like state, speaking almost hysterically for about an hour. Late that night, at about 11 o'clock, the Reverend Lund and two other ministers performed a religious service. During the service, several knocks were heard. Is also observed that the religious intervention makes the activity worse. But the events were much less frequent after that night, as in other poltergeist activity, the events became gradually less frequent until they stopped altogether in about March. So there you go. That is... Because I wondered what happened to Toby. Maybe, I don't know. You know cause... Well, first he went... After Michael got into it with him, he went to Columbia, but then he came back to the office. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Toby. <laughs> That's interesting. 
Yeah, cool story. Yeah, very cool. All right, guys, thank you so much. We appreciate you. We love you, and we'll talk to you soon. Love you all. Hey, guys, if you like what you just heard, we do six of those small bonus episodes every single week. We also do two full-length bonus episodes every month. We do a listener stories episode, and then a story that's just like the ones you would typically hear on the regular feed. If you're interested in supporting us on Patreon, just go to patreon.com and look up Hillbilly Horror Stories or go to hillbillyhorrorstories.com and there's a direct link right there. Thank you guys so much for what you do for us.